Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Devian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Victoria Pelsi, who is the Managing Director at Accenture. Victoria, how are you doing today? I'm great. Happy to be here. Likewise, before we started recording this, we were kind of going off back and forth in regards to you have some backgrounds from being in the French part of Canada, being from originally from France, um, from Montreal. So we kind of uh, went into that. We even talked about the Spanish side of uh, um, the South Beach of Florida, where you are currently. So we had a lot of things to kind of talk about, which I do want to touch upon in a second. But before going into more in depth within that, I gave a small introduction of who you are and what you do. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our viewers and listeners? Yeah, sure. So I am, yeah, current role is as a managing director at Accenture, but I describe myself as a multi-potentialite, which means I have multiple passions and interests. And in my case, I have a side hustle for which I did get approval with Accenture, which is my unstoppable you business, um, which comes out of one, just that's my philosophy in life is to be unstoppable. That happens to be the name of my book, but I do a lot of keynote speaking and very, very limited sort of coaching in, in that area and with execs. But my corporate career has been almost all like the last 20 plus years in B2B professional services. I started in being, um, and then somehow landed at 24 as the COO for an outsourcing company and have kind of stayed in that B2B world ever since. Been through 18 mergers and acquisitions during that time, including um, some of me personally. I acquired a company a number of years ago, um, heavily involved in the startup community and have a very entrepreneurial spirit, even though I, I do currently work for a massive corporate. And uh, wife, mom, fitness fanatic, foodie, wine lover. There you go. Okay, there's a lot we're going to unpack there with everything you just mentioned. <laughs> Let, let's start off with the with the corporate world aspect, because as I was researching what you've done in your career, which is very impressive, you kind of alluded to it, you know, to 24 years old, becoming a CEO, 31, becoming a president, and 41 being a CEO, which is going up the corporate ladder. As I was going through everything, I noticed that you had a lot of entrepreneurness within you, which is essentially being an entrepreneur within the structure of a industry or more than industry, a structure of a business. So you think the same way as an entrepreneur, you act the same way, you hire you're fired the same way. You look at opportunities the same way. The only difference is, is that you're not playing with your money, but you're playing with the company's money in certain regards. So that is still a significant difference in regards to the risk element, but the same approach. And that's what I felt with what I looked at. And you had mentioned right now that you do have side hustles that are your own businesses. You've uh, invested in some businesses. So I want to ask you, because I did feel that very strong entrepreneurial spirit with what we were saying. How did you balance staying in a corporate world while having that entrepreneurial desire? Was that planned? Did it 
just happen? Or was it as you were going up the corporate ladder, you got became more comfortable with your entrepreneurial skills to start dabbling into the entrepreneur world? How did that aspect happen? Because I've usually met either or, either you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, not really dabbling in both of them. Uh, it started initially most likely with sort of a passion I had that I realized how I could grow it into a business. And so I was in my early 20s and I liked natural bath and body works products. And so I learned how to make soap um, and creams and all those things. And you don't make a single bar of soap, you make a loaf and there's 10 of them. And so it, I had so much at the end of the year that I packaged them up for holiday presents and gave them and loved it. And was like, wow, well, this could really be a business. And so that was like entrepreneur venture number one continued. I have my, had my whole family involved in it and grew it to a point where it actually scaled to a point where I couldn't manage it with my corporate job. And so I sold that business uh, and then have continued to do it time and time again, both through either directly building businesses uh, or I bought a data and analytics company back in 2017 uh, although I was looking for health and wellness business, but somehow opportunity presented itself. And then you're absolutely right. The entrepreneurial spirit is there. I'm always looking. I've always treated the company's money like my own. And that's mm -hmm. how I, I, I started out, I think, probably because I started in operations, which is a cost center. Um, and then when I moved into the world of outsourcing, people outsource to save money. So, you know, I, you know, our mess for less as they hand it over. And so they're expecting savings. And so I had to be, the margins are much more narrow. So I had to be very good at managing operations. So that to then looking at where there's opportunity um, has grown into my ability to build new markets or new products or services within the large global organizations I work for. Very interesting. Okay. So you really got that, like you said, the schooling through the uh, going up the corporate ladder, and now you're able to dabble it into and work it into your entrepreneurial uh, businesses. And like you mentioned, you do have that entrepreneurial spirit from that example, they just gave selling soaps and so on. So once you were able to refine that skill and develop the entrepreneurship uh, aspect, how did you get into the speaking world? How did you get into the coaching world? Where did that aspect happen? Because I feel like you're kind of all over the place, but I feel like there is a conduit that is going to make sense. So I'm just trying to connect the dot over here. Well, so I've been speaking for over 20 years and it came about primarily, I'll say the first 10 was almost exclusively for industry related events, attending conferences related to the industry I was at or speaking for clients at their events. Hmm. And it wasn't until a shift I made maybe about 10 years or so ago. And it's a result of the coaching and mentoring I did within my organizations where I am heavily in, um, invested in a huge advocate around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so my role leading women's resource groups, LGBT resource groups, and others, but those are two that I've very specifically been involved in. And oftentimes I would, you know, both informally um, and formally do coaching and mentorship of some of the people within these communities. I recognized I couldn't share my story, my career journey and story and my drive and why I've succeeded, where I failed if I didn't start to tell the personal side. And so I started to introduce more of that in smaller settings and then realized I could couple that in a much broader setting and it ended up actually becoming quite in demand for sharing some of these 
personal stories of overcoming adversity and being incredibly resilient, coupled with a business story around my journey from a leadership and my maniacal focus on, on positive culture. So there is a common thread through all of it. And then, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong business person and I negotiate well for myself and you don't ask, you don't get, I know my value and know my worth. And I knew at some point I could, I should be paid to stand on these stages. So I wasn't going to continue to do it for free. And that's where I shifted to, you know, also be doing it as a professional speaker. Nice. I, I love the way you kind of explained that and you kind of alluded to it and had that shift of like, hey, wait a minute, this is something that I'm bringing massive value. So there is this income that should be coming in within that and that uh, approach. And one thing you alluded to, like I said, as I'm a professional speaker, I'm a geek about this industry. I truly love it. It is one of my biggest passions. And you alluded to the emotional aspect. Human beings have been always, always doing one main thing. The second that we're starting, even before, but the second we started speaking and communicating with languages is storytelling. So if you're going to convey anything, you want to teach anything, it's best understood and retained through storytelling. So if you're just teaching them in a methodical way of numbers or X, Y, and Z, you do this, you get this, but you're not telling the difficulty that you have to go through or the struggle or the success, people are not going to resonate with it at a very high level. So I love the fact you mentioned that. I just wanted to highlight it. So anybody that's listening to this wants to improve about their communication on stage or even not within your uh, uh, place of business, it is such an important uh, form of communication to add that emotion and that storytelling. Now, Victoria, I do know that you are kind of known within your colleagues as the turnaround queen in certain regards, coming into uh, industries and kind of turning them around. So my question within that is, if you could name top three things, usually industries struggle at, that you come in and see a pattern and you turn around, what would that be? Is that the leadership? Is that the mindset of the organization? Is that a lack of mission and vision that's conveyed or uh, throughout the organization and the organizational chart from top to bottom? What would those things be for our viewers and listeners to kind of pinpoint and look at in their own business to improve upon? Um, I'd, I'd start at the top and I'd say there's uh, a purpose gap. And, and by that, I mean a couple of things. One, you know, or you think of... um. Simon Sinek start with why. And he was talking about, he used Apple as an example, right? And creating, you know, that that connection and um, as they define what it is when Apple defined what they were doing. So companies, I think, haven't done an, a phenomenal, many of them, some are great, but at articulating their purpose, their reason for being uh, one in a way that resonates with consumers uh, and their employees. And that, and so there's a bridge and, and that, so that's number one. And then how they think about all of the work they do, the marketing, everything connecting back to purpose. And then there's a leadership aspect of that as well in terms of how does a leader get the individual within their organization who wants to, one, be connected to an organization that aligns to their vision, mission, values, but that the work that they do is providing direct impact to that. And so it's their job, I think, as a leader to help translate and articulate that story to help you know, get everyone engaged around the purpose of the organization and how they contribute to it. The next um, area I'd say where I think there is the most opportunity is around leadership and culture. Uh, you know, there was have been discussion over the last number of years around the future of work. But the future is here, quite frankly. And so we, you know, think of all the greats that are being used in social uh, media and grabbing news headlines, the great resignation, the great rethink, 
um, et cetera. You know, ultimately that actually comes down to leadership. And so are we human centered in the way we're leading, communicating and engaging with our teams? And, you know, the peanut butter spread approach across in terms of how people are motivated, how they learn, like recognize all of that is different. And so that's where I think a lot of companies fall fall down. And some of that will be, and I think there's a, some, some people think there needs to be a trade-off for like high performance and productivity by having this human-centered leadership. And I actually think the leadership drives the, the other. You have exceptional people who are highly engaged, are generally more productive, stay longer at their organizations, um, et cetera. So I, I think that's another. And for me, culture is an outcome of the visions, mission, values, and the leadership in terms of the, the actions, language, and behavior. And so I only give you two, but those are two really monster ones with lots of tentacles around it, Christopher. So I was actually going to call you out on that. I'm like, is there a third one or the leadership and culture are two different ones, which is the way I'm kind of taking it over here, which I think the way that you kind of explain it, we can separate. So let me just uh, uh, re-highlight it here for our viewers and listeners. The first one is know your why, know your purpose. A bit like you mentioned, Simon Sinek alludes to that very well. So if you are in a position of leadership, you have to be able to know and convey eloquently what is the why and the purpose of what you're doing so then everybody within an organization knows what they're working towards and can move accordingly. Second thing you mentioned is the leadership. So if we separate the, the, the second and the third one, leadership, and you conveyed or you explained that a lot of the people in socials now or in, in, in communication talking about the great uh, depression or the great uh, hiring, firing and all that stuff has to do a lot with the leadership approach. So how you are within the leader and how that associates with the people around you. And the third, which you kind of put it together, like I said, I'm separating it here, is the culture. And the culture is that ideology of what you want to convey within the business and how you go. And then one thing you kind of explained, which I truly love, is that engagement aspect. The more somebody's engaged, passionate about what they're doing, truly believe in, the more they're going to be high performing. And I truly believe that being a high performance coach, you have to look at the individual. If the individual is not taken care of, I don't care who you are, you're going to leave some opportunities on the table within that aspect. So thank you for highlighting that and clarifying that uh, in that regards when it comes to the business side. So Victoria, it's you kind of alluded to in the beginning as well, like uh, certain things that you like to do uh, with your personal life and so on and so forth uh, in regards to, you know, being a, a mother, having fun, uh, being athletic and the fitness side of things. My next question for you is like, it's obvious that you are a high achieving individual that is successful. And this show is called the Peak Performance Greatness Show. And I truly believe everybody within them has high levels of performance and greatness. So my question is, what are some of the habits and rituals that you do on a daily basis to perform at a very high level? And this could be personal, this could be within the business, both X, Y, and Z. I, um, there's a few things in particular for, for me as an individual that I am unwavering about. And the creation of boundaries is one of those. Mm. And, and that's because to do all that I do between corporate work and speaking and sitting on boards, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I've, I've got the saying, you know, where there's conviction, there's capacity, but at the end of the day, there's also only 24 hours in a day. And so I've learned very well, um, how to define my boundaries, the things that don't bring me personal or professional joy or value. I know to, um, or I delegate them or I outsource them. And joking, you know, with my when I met my husband, he was uncomfortable that my 
cleaners did the laundry and would be doing his underwear. And I'm like, well, babe, let's be clear. Like doing laundry doesn't bring me joy. So you can get comfortable with it or you can start doing the laundry. And he still does the laundry. Um, so, you know, that that's one. But related to that, for, for me, I work out six days a week. Cool. And I protect that time by creating boundaries and blocks in my calendar. And so I'm now in a North American role. It was a little bit more challenging when I sat in a global role previously. But I block my calendar before 9 a.m. Doesn't mean I don't occasionally take calls before that, but it's by exception. Uh, so that I can get my workouts in, get home, get showered. This hair takes hours to dry. So I don't look like a wet dog in the first, you know, on the first call. So, you know, that's one, but that's me time. And so for those 75 minutes or so that I'm at the gym, I start with, you know, the podcast of catching up on the daily news. And then I, I vacillate back and forth over whether I just want amazing music, whether I want to listen to another podcast like this one, or whether I want to listen to an audiobook. Um, and sometimes those are business books. And sometimes, you know, it was like Michelle Obama's book, you know, whatever that, that, that's for me. And then the other thing is, and it was a little bit more pre COVID than now, but, um, I'm a massive networker and I want to stay connected with my network Mm. and I like to do that in person. And so I would block time for, I would probably have lunch three or four days a week, you know, with clients with colleagues or other people I was getting to know. And so those were things that I do, I did and blocked in my calendar to ensure I could do the things that were important, not only for me or brought, brought value um, within my personal or professional world. Okay, Victoria, I'm gonna have fun with this. You mentioned so many great things, so many like, uh, like great nuances that I want to unpack. So first and foremost, put boundaries. And what you meant by boundaries, you kind of explained it and alluded to it, is understand what you need to be doing, understand what you need to be delegating, and understand that you cannot, you can do everything, but you should not do everything because there's 24 hours in a day and there's your energy that you have to protect. Especially when you're starting off as an entrepreneur, we have the ideology of always saying yes, because that's kind of where you're at probably in your career. You don't have a lot of clients, but at a certain point, there is that tipping point that happens that you have to start saying no. And when you say no, some people have a negative misconception of that means you're pushing away an opportunity. But the way to look at it is by saying no, you're actually saying yes to something else that's potentially more important. So that's one thing you mentioned over there. The workout. Awesome. I love it. I actually do the same thing. I work out six, seven days, actually six days because I take one day off. I do CrossFit. So I love the fact that you blocked off that morning time. I'm exactly the same thing from 4 a.m. to 8.30. Nobody could get, get in touch with me because I have that moment for myself towards the meditating, working out. So I love that aspect. And I want to know in a few seconds, what is exactly the type of workouts that you do? And the last thing, the networking part, I love that because the reality, if you break it down, business is one thing, one human connecting with another. It's human connections. And the more you're able to do that and convey it towards business lunches, like you mentioned, the more you're going to succeed. It's just inevitable. If you're just a great person and being authentic, it's going to happen. So thank you for that. Now let's take a little step back. Tell me a bit about your workouts. What do you exactly do? Because like I said, I am a geek about working out. What is the type of things you do? Because if you're somebody that works out six days a week, there is intention behind it. And there's probably a lot of joy with what you're doing. Yeah. So I'm, I've always been a fitness fanatic and, you know, I played volleyball and basketball growing up as a Canadian, I picked up hockey. And so I actually played hockey three or four times a week before I moved back to the U S um, and, but weight training is what I did six days a week. I had a couple of years where I was doing some fitness competitions. 
and so I weight train six days a week. I've got a three day split. Um, I also did triathlons for a period of time as well. And so I'm kind of dabble in everything. I had a pretty serious accident this summer. And so I was actually three of four of my appendages were broken. I was in a wheelchair for a bit. So the thing that pained me the most, I mean, beyond the physical pain of that was that it took me many, many weeks before I could get back into the gym. Um, and so I, you know, would curl 40 pounds aside on each arm hammer curls. And because I broke both arms, I had to restart out at two pounds. Um, so I'm, I'm back almost to normal. The leg is the one that, you know, a couple surgeries later, so a little slower there, but that's, that's my, my thing. So six days a week, three days split. Okay. A couple of things. If you don't mind me asking what happened, what was the injury about? Yeah, I can tell you. Um, so I like, you know, those electric scooters, the ones that you stand oh my on, God. not like a, not like a, a Vespa type scooter yeah. moped. Um, so that's been my main mode of transportation. When I moved back to New York from Toronto, it was faster for me to get to my office in New York on the than taking the subway. So I've used it. I used it in Toronto. I've used it in New York. I used it in Europe. And then when we moved to Miami, um, I thought we'd buy a vehicle, but we live on the beach. And so walk a lot of places. It's highly walkable working from home. So they became our main mode of transportation here. Something happened to the front front wheel. Don't know. I went flying. No one hit me. Uh, and, over, and thankfully only at like 10 or 15 miles an hour. And, uh, so I have a scar here. I lost a tooth. Like I said, both arms were broken and I shattered my knee. Um, so be careful on those scooters. I will get back on, but, um, they can be dangerous. Okay. So I'm glad I asked that question to be quite honest, because it kind of tells us what that aspect is. You're literally this last, I would say four months the third person that has told me about a big accident on these scooter things. They look super cool, but I guess you have to be very careful. And like you said, that was something that you couldn't even control. If like the wheel, like, you know, has an issue, yeah. you're flying off. So definitely something to think about. So just kind of a warning over there. And I love the fact that you kind of unpacked the, uh, the style of workout that you're doing. And you're obviously, like I said, you were very intentional about it. So I do understand that you were somebody that did the competition. So that's why you do it so intentionally. But I wanted to highlight one thing because I kind of understand your uh, what you were going through. Not to the same extent, but this summer I had a, a herniated disc. So I, I couldn't work out to the same level. But I was still okay, you know, going to the gym, but doing something, everything was like, just scaled back and I was mentally really hitting me. And I'm somebody very mentally strong. Obviously, this is like pretty much my career, but I realized how important for me and for many people is that workout and that schedule. So I could only imagine what you had to go through in an emotional, mental level to go through that process to get out of the wheelchair and get back to the workout. So Victoria, hats off to you, really. That that is an amazing thing. Victoria, as we're coming off the time over here, I want to ask you one last question, two last questions, but we're kind of going to lead to the last one in a second here. Like I alluded to, you're definitely successful. It's obvious and it shows with everything that you've done just with that story as well. If in three months later, you're able to get back in the gym, just it shows your resiliency in so many regards. Now, we learn a lot from people's successes and what they've done. But I truly believe we, we learn more from our failures. But we don't need to only learn from our failures, but we learn from other people's failures and uh, uh, mistakes. So my question to you is, what are you doing right now within your business? Or what is something within your business right now that you are having a hard time with? There's opportunity to optimize or you're failing at in certain regards, air quotes over here. And how do you go about looking at it to fix that problem right now? Um, so... <laughs> I'm like, how much of this do I want on air or not is quite, quite frankly, when you say it's your choice. problem, uh, um, 
You, you know, it's when I joined Accenture, it was actually to to join into one particular part of their business. And um, shortly after I joined, I realized that there was probably a bit of a mismatch. And, um, you know, I, you know, being a strong individual and, you know, I, I think I said, you don't ask, you don't get. I, you know, was very clear with my leader and said, we should probably find me something that's actually much more aligned to my background, my experience and the things that I'm, um, you know, joyful about doing. I would enjoy getting up, you know, doing every day. Uh, and so thankfully I did actually have support for that. So I took over, you know, some additional responsibility within the organization and shifted. Um, and it's, but it's still not exactly aligned with sort of my background. So I continue to have my hand up and say, like, I think we should look at how I add value in a way, um, that I've been doing for 20 plus years as, as an executive, I'm not a consultant. I don't, doesn't mean I don't consult. I do. I'm always very, very client facing, but I was never a billable management, cons management consultant. So we should actually look at my skill set slightly differently. And so I share that because for a few reasons, um, you know, I think these opportunities can happen in people's lives that there's going to be a mismatch. You might've done your due diligence and it doesn't always quite work out way you expected it would, but we all have choice and we have a voice that is our power. And in my case, I put my hand up very quickly to say, let's find a way to make this work for both of us and navigate us to a place where I can bring more value, but I also, you know, have a greater sense of um, engagement and joy around the kind of work I'm doing every day. Okay. I, I love that answer. Thank you for, for sharing that with us, Victoria, because a lot of people get in situations that maybe they thought it was going to be something and it ended up being something else once they get there. And most of the times they either go internal, don't talk about it. And that kind of kills them from the inside. And it's kind of like atrophy, right? They're not expanding. They're decaying in a certain self, which is pretty much killing themselves because they're not truly doing what they they're supposed to do. And that creates just a negative uh, energy all around it. So the fact that you're able to spot it, and then as soon as you spot it, pick up your hand and be like, hey, I'm here, I'm committed, but what can we do to leverage this opportunity for both parties? What can we do to improve the situation for both of us? So I really appreciate that you share that because I not a lot of people would, uh, and I'm glad that the viewers and listeners were going to get that. So Victoria, last question over here. People are listening to you. They're like, yo, this this woman is amazing. want to connect with her. I want to get her to uh, you know get to know her a bit more, maybe even potentially get you on a stage and so on and so forth. Where's the best place that our community could connect with you? I have a website, which is victoria-peltier.com. Uh, so you, there you'll find all my blog, my book, my speaking um, engagements, topics. And you you could certainly Google me. I'm majority of the first many, many pages that are on there as well. That is amazing. Everything you mentioned will be in the show notes below. Vic, uh, Victoria, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Guys, once again, amazing podcast and stay tuned for the next one. Thank you. Christopher Devian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. 
Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.